I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today we're joined by a longtime Turn on the Jets writer and former co-host of this pod, Dalvin Osario. We're going to talk about the article he published this week, 20 Moves the New York Jets Could Make to Make the Playoffs in 2020. Uh, Pretty wide-ranging conversation for about a half hour about how we think the Jets can look at the NFL draft, can look at free agency, how they'll handle their own internal free agents. Um, as a reminder, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Uh, this is our first new show of the year. Appreciate everyone uh, closing the year with us with our mailbag show last week and our interview with Manish Mehta. On our next show, which will probably drop Late next week, we will have uh, an exciting announcement to make about a new project that we are doing uh, related to this podcast. We're going to do something different uh, next off season, and we will explain that in more detail and give a preview of what's to come. Quick heads up on this interview with Dalbin. Dalbin's audio is pristine. Uh, mine in the beginning segments of our conversation, uh, and this is more Dalbin talking than me, so the majority of it is him. Uh, is a little choppy, but it smooths out uh, as we go through our conversation. That's just on my end, though, so stay with it. Uh, it evens out, and uh, as I said, all of Dolbins comes through really clear. And we have a really, uh, again, wide-ranging conversation about the state of the team, particularly around free agency and the NFL draft. Uh, this will be our last show in our traditional format for a bit. Uh, we will be still active on this feed, doing a couple different things, but have a bigger project uh, that we're excited about. And again, I'm tired of just hinting at it, so we'll give more details uh, the next time we talk on this feed. With that, I will jump into our conversation with Dalbin. It's always good to kick off the offseason back with you. I mean, I, I you know, shared a thread on Twitter about how it's just crazy to think that, you know, eight years ago I was writing UDFA write-ups for TOJ, and now I, I feel like I'm almost the last person standing in terms of the group that was brought in there, you know, with you. But it's been, one, it's been a hell of a ride to see the site grow as much as it has. It's been a hell of a, it's been a, hell of an opportunity to be a part of that, and I'm just super pumped to kick off the offseason with you like we've done over the last six, seven years together. Absolutely, man. You helped kick, that, kick it off with a bag. We were very busy this week. Uh, had some new content out every single day, which is a good start to the offseason. And your article in particular, 
really took a deep dive into ways the Jets could improve their roster uh, via free agency, via how they handle their current roster, uh, and via how they attack the NFL draft. When you look at the Jets' current roster and their priority on who they need to pay to keep, who is at the top of that list for you when you look at who their own internal creations are? Oh, man, you know, and it's interesting because I'm probably going to get a ton of flack for this in terms of just how I rank them. But I think I think Kelvin Beecham in a lot of ways, especially his play over the last half of the season, absolutely played himself into another contract with this team and absolutely made himself a priority to come back. I think what you want to see from Joe Douglas this offseason, and this is why I think Beecham is so important, you don't want to be pigeonholed into having to take an offensive lineman at 11 if you don't feel that somebody is worth that pick, right? And I think bringing back Beecham and then attacking free agency to add another offensive lineman, I think that's going to be key because you don't want to go into this draft thinking, oh man, now we have to reach for an offensive lineman that we don't think is worth that pick. So that's one. The second guy is Robbie Anderson. There is no internal plan to replace Robbie Anderson on this team. And a couple times during the season, I'll be honest, man, I thought I was like, man, Vincent Smith could probably fill that role just because of his speed. But also Robbie Anderson turned it on himself also in the second half. Like he's, he started showing much more effort. He started running, you know, a diverse route tree, which is something that I think you and I both wanted to see from him. So I think Beecham and Robbie Anderson are by far 1A and 1B in terms of who they need to bring back. Because I think, and especially, and you saw it in my article, the way that I attacked the draft was I wanted to get playmakers around Sam Darnold that can grow with him. But Robbie Anderson is the one guy that has been growing with him. He's the one constant on this team. And if you do not have a plan to replace him, then you're going to be forced to have to spend money on a lower tier free agent like a Randall Cobb in free agency or try to bring in Devin Funches to try to kind of mirror some of that production. And honestly, the options in free agency aren't very good in that aspect. But Kelvin Beecham, hands down, I think he has to come back because he's a stabilizing force on the offensive line. And in the offseason that I did, I resigned him and I moved him to right tackle because he brings that flexibility. And the Jets cannot go into next season with Brandon Shell or Adoga as the as the right tackles protecting Sam Darnold. That's just not going to fly. Yeah, it's an interesting answer. Uh, because I do think Beecham, I think when people think about his season this year, they're immediately just going to default to the Cleveland game where he got left on an island and on one with Miles Garrett. And that's probably not a fair distillation of what he brought to the offensive line over the course of the year. He, again, I want to be clear, he's not, you know, a top end starter, but there is a clear difference when he's out there as a starting tackle and he's easily the team's best tackle and you can't replace five starters on the offensive line in one off season. So I think the Jets are probably, they're definitely going to need another guard to replace Brian Winters. They're probably yep. going to want a different center to replace Jonathan Harrison. And they're going to want another tackle to replace either Brandon Shell or Chuma Doga. It's hard to get a second tackle on top of that. So I think Beecham should be the kind of guy that you get back on a reasonable one to two year deal. Without it being too much of a lift. Uh, on the defensive side of the football, I think Brian Poole is definitely going to be prioritized. I think he was excellent in the slot this year. Uh, yep. One of the best free agent signings the team made last year and really brought some stability to a position that fans, I think, were rightly concerned about heading into the offseason. I think the Robbie situation is tough because all the chatter right now is that, you know, Robbie's going to walk and the Jets are going to try to trade Bell. And I think you can make separate arguments in a vacuum that. Robbie Anderson isn't worth $13, $14, 15000000 million a year. He's never had 1,000 yards receiving. He's only played good in spurts. Uh, how can you pay that much money to him? And for Le'Veon Bell, 
you don't want to go on paying that much money to a running back. Clearly, it's not going to work with him and Gase, which is Gase's fault, not Bell's fault, although Bell was not the same player he was in Pittsburgh. The way he was used certainly did not play to his strengths. You do something like that, though. Next November, we're, we're recording this podcast, and we're saying, how can we evaluate Sam Darnold? He doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have anyone right. to throw. Uh, he doesn't have a good running back. So you get rid of Anderson and Bell. You're losing 135 receptions. Uh, you're losing a running back who's really good in pass pro and catch the ball in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Anderson, he's been the receiver Donald's been most comfortable with as an NFL player. Uh, is Anderson the quote-unquote number one receiver? No. There's a handful of them in the league. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not um, Michael Thomas or, or one of these guys who's going to be all pro. Is he a guy that can get – 900 yards pretty consistently uh, with a better offensive staff around them and possess a really unique ability to get deep with his speed? Yes. Um, And I just think getting rid of both Bell and Anderson is going to be really hard for this Mm -hmm. offense to overcome. It's going to be interesting to see how robust the market is for him because you see the impact Will Fuller makes in the Texans offense. You see the impact Deshaun Jackson made on the Eagles offense, the little bit of time he played with them. Uh, teams are going to want a deep threat if it stay healthy, which is Robbie Anderson and a guy who played really well down the stretch last year. How high are the Jets going to go? I don't know. Um, and I think it's going to be just fascinating to see where that shakes out. If I had to guess now, it sounds like he's going to leave. Uh, I think he's going to get a $14, $15 million offer somewhere else and probably take that. Uh, but maybe the Jets rise to the occasion and get it. But, you know, you lose Anderson. You lose Bell. You know, Demarius Thomas is 70 years old. You come back, you know, Montgomery's a free agent, Powell is a free agent, also 70 years old. That basically leaves you with no running backs and Jamison Crowder. Uh, and that's a lot to try to fill when you already need to add offensive linemen and edge rushers and cornerbacks. Uh, if Anderson leaves, how would you go about trying to rebuild the receiver group? Sheesh. I mean, well, to, to your to the first point that you made about Le'Veon Bell, like the contract also isn't a contract that's conducive to moving it because because you're essentially his contract wasn't a glorified one year deal it was essentially a glorified two year deal. The real out is next year. So you're moving on from him and you're essentially paying him to go play elsewhere. And while you're right, Le'Veon Bell wasn't the same kind of player. He was still I think Le'Veon Bell can still be an effective player in this league. I don't I refuse to believe that. Adam Gase, Adam Gase is a bad coach and Adam Gase not being able to figure out how to use him, I think is, is more an indictment on Adam Gase than it is on Le'Veon Bell. But to your point, I mean, the options aren't good, Joe, like to go into free agency and have to try and go and sign, you know, a guy like a, like a, you know, like a Randall Cobb or something like that, that to try to try and replace him doesn't even make sense. I think Robbie Anderson is going to get paid. I think the Jets would be smart to be the team that pays him, because I think also you have to understand that if you're if you're going to pour all this money into the offensive line, the assumption is that Sam Darnold will hopefully take that next step. Right. Because that's what we keep hearing. Oh, if he just had a little bit more time, he'd be more productive. If he just had a little bit more time. He'd be more productive, which I got to say, man. I I like Sam Darnold, but I think Jet fans should absolutely be more realistic in their assessment of him. I know that he's got all the talent in the world, but there were some games that he did not play well, and we can get into that a little bit further later. But um, I think you have to bank on him taking that step in the next in the next season. And without Robbie Anderson, without Le'Veon Bell, I just don't see that happening. I think you go into the draft, maybe you got like KJ Hamler, who again, you know, our our for, my former draft season co-host Jeff Lloyd said he reminds him of of, of Eric Metcalf. I think the, this wide receiver class is deep, but you're asking a rookie wide receiver to come in and produce right away. And again, I know we're looking at you know a season where Marquise Brown and AJ Brown. 
and DK Metcalf all produced, but that's not the norm. Just like 20, just like the Odell Beckham class isn't the norm. Like wide receivers come in and they struggle and they have, you know, they have to learn the nuances of the game and you're looking for a vertical threat to replace a guy who Sam Donald has really good rapport with. It's a lot to ask. So I'm going to be honest. I'd rather not try to figure out how to replace him and just keep Robbie, but I'm with you, man. I think he's going to get paid. And the team that I would watch for him is Philadelphia because you're right. I think the Philly, the fact that Philly's in the playoffs this weekend with absolutely nothing from their wide receivers, let, lets me know that I think that team is absolutely going to target him. They tried to trade for him last year, and I think they could be the team that pays him. But the Jets should absolutely pay him on day, on day one of free agency. Yeah, I think Philly is definitely a team to watch. I think Houston, if they can sort some stuff out with their cap situation, could be a team to watch. Uh, there were some rumblings about Miami and a Samini article. I don't know if that's really going to happen or if he's going to fit with what Miami uh, is trying to do offensively. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting situation to watch. And I think – you know, when you hear Jet fans talk about this offseason, it's, you know, we want to keep Bell, we want to pay Robbie, we've got to pay bring Jordan Jenkins back, we want to keep Poole, we mm-hmm. want to keep Beecham, we got to make Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the league. Uh, you can't do all right. these things at once. Um, and free agency, like what we always have to remember, remember when we look at the list of free agents out there is every team can find a way to make some cap space available as the cap goes up. Every team wants to acquire all the good free agents, and most teams are going to do what they can to keep their guys, particularly on the offensive line and edge rusher. We saw that last year, you know, certain guys not hitting the market positions we thought the Jets would target, although there was still a pretty robust edge market. The Jets sat out. You know, the names that I think everyone is focused on for the Jets and free agency makes sense, right? Uh, it's Brandon Scherf, it's Anthony Costanzo, it's Joe Thune, it's any offensive lineman the Jets can get their hands on. Are they going to be able to sign all of them? No. But can they get one rock-solid starter that maybe they have to overpay a bit for? Hopefully. Uh, and then you look at the NFL draft where I would guess nine out of ten mock drafts will have the Jets taking an offensive lineman in the first round, maybe. If it's not an offensive lineman, it will be a receiver. Uh, now, this is a deep class of receiver, so could the Jets use one of their two third-round picks at that position or their second-round pick on it? depending on how the first 10 breaks. It's a freaking 11th, maybe. Uh, but I feel like this has to be an offensive player uh, with their first pick, especially since they fell well out of the Chase Young running. Uh, what do you think are going to be the three or four most common names you hear mock draft into the Jets in the coming months? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. It has to be and it has to be an offensive player without question. Uh, also, because I do think that, to be fair, this is an offensive draft. I do not think that this is a defensive draft. I know Greg, you know, I wanted to drive to Virginia and just strangle him when I saw him mock a linebacker to the Jets in his mock trap this week. Um, because I do think that while there is a lot of talent on defense, this is very much an offensive draft. It's deep at running back. It's deep at wide receiver. I think the two names wide receiver wise that you have to pay attention to are Jerry Judy and CD lamb. I think those are going to be names that you constantly see mocked to them. I've already seen, I think like six mocks that have CD lamb to the jets, including my own, because I think that he is the top wide receiver in this class. And Sam Darnold needs an actual game breaker at wide receiver that that's consistent. And CeeDee Lamb is an excellent route runner who can still get better as a route runner. And that's incredibly scary for the NFL. So I think CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy are the two wide receivers you're constantly going to see mocks of them. And then offensive line, I think Andrew Thomas is a guy that, again, a lot of people are talking about that he's not going to make it past five or six. And that could very well be true. However, 
I have seen some I have seen some weirder things happen where the Jets are suddenly picking and the best player available is there. And I think you could see a guy like Andrew Thomas be the offensive tackle that they try to get. And then they move Beecham to right tackle, because one point that you made that I think is spot on, you're not going to get five starters in the in the, for the offensive line in this in this offseason. It's just not going to happen. So you hope that Alex Lewis is one starter at one guard position, bringing back Beecham solves on one of the other spots, whether he plays at right tackle or left tackle. And then you go and spend money on surf. But again, a lot of people have a lot of people have a lot of money available this year to go and make him the highest paid guard in football and I know that a lot of Jet fans are like oh well he was a little injured last year yeah but he's still a top guard in this league and you get him that shores up the other interior uh, the, the other interior offensive line so then you can take a guy like Andrew Thomas in round one and you're not reaching for him um, the other guy is, is, is the offensive tackle from Alabama Willis I think those are the four names that you're going to see mocked because I think very clearly this the Jets defense Greg Williams did an incredible job with the Jets defense and he did it with a bunch of no names the hope is that and this is how I attacked my offseason with the, uh, in the article that I wrote, I went after free agents that I think could elevate the defense because I don't I don't think I think Greg Williams defense is incredibly complicated for a rookie to learn right off the bat. And I think you want to get proven guys that can come in there and take that defense to the next level. The opposite of that is what you want to do on offense. And you want to get Sam Donald, the wide receiver that's going to grow with him. You want to get him a left tackle that's going to grow with him. I think this class is particular. This class is particularly deep in offensive linemen. So you double up on offensive linemen in rounds two and three, if that's what you really want to do. Um, but honestly, in round one, Joe, I think CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy are probably the two guys that you're going to see mocked the most. And then Andrew Thomas and Willis from Alabama, the offensive tackle. Those would be the two offensive linemen that I think you see mocked to the Jets the most. I don't. I would be floored if the Jets draft a defensive player. And I would be even more floored if that's all we see being mocked to them. Greg's mock, Greg's mock this week aside. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, to regularly start seeing uh, an offensive player mock to the Jets will be refreshing. Uh, we know how frequently they go defense in the first round. Uh, I think they've tapped the well of interior and defensive linemen for a long, long time. Uh, so watching how the draft goes hand-in-hand with free agency is going to be interesting. And I think this roster seems crazy, but is going to have a ton of turnover again. I think you're probably looking at five-ish new starters on the offense, if not a touch more. Defensively, um, it's hard to say, you know, you're getting Mosley back. Are they going to pay up to keep Jenkins? You figure there'll be a different starter at corner. We'll still be Adams in May at safety. Uh, probably more turnover to the offense, which makes sense considering the defense was good this year. Um, is there any under-the-radar names in free agency that we could see the Jets pursue? I think everyone's going to look up who's available, go right to the top of offensive line, go right to the top of edge rusher, go right to the top of cornerback. A lot of those guys aren't going to hit the market, or the Jets are going to have a tough time landing. Maybe they get one, but odds that they're going to be getting the top guys at all these positions is probably not overly likely. So is there any other guys 
less big names if they move on from Bell? Do they go try to get a guy like Matt Breida? Uh, if they can't sign Robbie Anderson, do they try to round out their receiving core in a different way with a draft pick and maybe a guy like Rashad Higgins who could hit the market from the Browns? Is there any type of trade they can make that, I don't know, Jet fans are not thinking of right now? None of us were expecting them to trade for Brandon Marshall, for example, the year they traded for Brandon Marshall, mm-hmm. Ryan Clayton. Is there you know, a veteran-type move that you could see them making that maybe lines up to Gase's or Douglas's history in some way? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'll give you two offensive linemen, and then I'll give you a running back and a receiver and then a trade. So that'll, that'll be five things. Uh, so the two offensive linemen that I think you probably want to watch out for are Brian Beluga, the offensive tackle from Green Bay, who's a lesser name than Anthony Costanzo. He's also, you know, just kind of a second or third tier offensive lineman. But he's a guy that if the Jets, because I, I really, I really, really believe that the Jets MO is not going to be to draft a young offensive lineman early in round one. I think they're going to go wide receiver in round one. And I think, I think they target a veteran left tackle that can shore that up. So that way they put the, they put guys that are proven in front of Sam Darnold to protect him. So that's one. The, and then guard Graham Glasgow from Detroit, who was a big jet fan favorite when he was in the draft a couple of years ago, he's 28. He's a guard. Again, a lot of people like to say that his best football is in front of him. And I think that that's a guy that at 28 years old probably has a good three or four years of top tier football left in him. And he's not a guy that's going to get paid like Scherf. And if the Jets wanted to add an interior offensive lineman, he would be the guy that, that honestly you could look for at wide, re- at, at, at wide receiver. The one trade that I think a lot of folks are going to keep talking about is the Odell Beckham trade. Like he clearly wants out of Cleveland. The Jets have the draft capital to make a move. Um, I think adding Odell Beckham to this wide receiver core again stops you from being pigeonholed into having to take a wide receiver in round one. But I also feel like every offseason, I mean, we talked about this a couple of years ago. I feel like every offseason we talk about Odell Beckham being traded to the Jets. Maybe this is the year that it finally happens. And if Cleveland chooses to move on from Odell Beckham, which again, I mean, they've done more foolish things. They just fired the general manager who got them all that talent. I think the Jets should absolutely be in the market for Odell Beckham. I think he could solve a lot of their issues because he becomes a home run threat at wide receiver. And he signed long-term, so you don't have to worry about that. And then at cornerback, I think the guy that you really have to watch out for is James Bradbury. He is He's 27 years old, played solid in Carolina, did not play really well after Josh Norman got moved and he took over the starting position. But then he's gradually gotten better. He's an older corner. He's a veteran corner. But the Jets absolutely need to add a corner. And the best one available is probably going to be Byron Jones. If Dallas chooses to pay Amari Cooper and they can't pay Byron Jones, Jones is probably going to be the one that's available. And a lot of Jet fans, even in my article, they were like, oh, we don't want another 28-year-old corner. Byron Jones is probably going to be the best one. But if you do not want him, Bradbury is a second-tier name that you could watch out for. And then, I mean, at running back, here's the thing. Like, the guys that are hitting the market, Joe, like – Lamar Miller is going to be on the market. We've already seen Adam Gase not use him. Kenyon Drake is probably going to be on the market. We've already seen Gase not use him. Um, so it's much more likely that I think they maybe go into the draft and try and get a running back with their second or one of their third round picks. And that's when you look at guys like, you know, like Najee Harris from Alabama or Travis Etienne, like those kind of guys, because I think I would, there is no rhyme or reason to move on from Le'Veon Bell just financially. And you're not going to get the return that you want, but I could see them take a running back that starts to take a lot more of the carries of Le'Veon Bell before they move on from him after this year. But in free agency, it's just filled with a bunch of guys that Adam Gase doesn't know how to use and has not used well in the past. So I can't see them taking a swing there. But on the offensive line and for sure at cornerback, those are the second and, second and third tier guys that I can see them going after. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting 
off season. It's not, they don't have the endless amount of money that they had last year, but they will have some cap flexibility, probably about middle of the pack league wide when everything ultimately shakes out. So how much roster turnover, uh, is there and how heavily concentrated is it on the offensive side of the football? Hopefully it's very heavily concentrated on the offensive side of the football. Um, I mean, I would say overall, is there enough that they can do this off season to overcome what is probably going to be a bottom five to seven coaching staff in the NFL? And that might be being generous to be honest uh, and to overcome what will be a substantially more challenging slate of games. Now, yes, the schedule could get softer over time. There'll be injuries. Uh, teams who look like they could be good right now might not be good next year. It is unavoidable, though, that they will be traveling way, 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 way more than they did this year, and that they had the easiest schedule in football this year. Uh, from strength of schedule and from having the benefit of having the Bills dressing the starters in Week 17, there's no way the schedule will be any easier next year, and it will probably be substantially harder next year with Seattle, with San Francisco, with an improving Arizona team, with the Chiefs, with the Rams, and all the other people that they're going to have to play, and an improved Miami team in their own division. Uh, can the Jets do enough this offseason to get to 10 and 6, which is basically what it probably takes to get to the playoffs? And what are going to be the main positions that they really need to move the needle on to? improve by three games or is it just contingent on Sam Darnold becoming a legitimate superstar and that's that's the only way it can happen yeah I mean so two things and I think I I mean I think you hit it on the head and I think my biggest worry is that it does come down to Sam Darnold and the step that he the steps that he takes in year three to become an elite quarterback uh Michael Nania had tweeted out uh, before the season that, you know, it's not unreasonable to expect Sam to be a top 15 quarterback in this year. And he wasn't, you know, he was bottom third in pretty much every, almost all statistical categories, you know, yards per game, uh, you know, the the yards per attempt, Sam Darnold. And again, I, I don't want to be like a downer and say like, oh, you know, Jet fans should really start to plan for life after Sam Darnold or anything like that. But Sam needs to show more than what he showed this year, because also like and we look at the young quarterbacks, right? And Joe, you did this every Tuesday where you uh, you tweeted out the stats of the young quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, they, the Jets got him an all-pro offensive lineman in, in Osamele before the season. They got him an all-pro running back in Le'Veon Bell. They added the best defensive free agent in C.J. Mosley. They got him a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer, right? An offensive guru. Him and Baker Mayfield, I think, on paper, got the most help as any young quarterback. I remember thinking like, man, Baltimore really hasn't done much to help, you know, Lamar Jackson. They didn't get, they drafted Marquise Brown, but they really, they didn't go and try and get a bigger wide receiver. They signed Mark Ingram, who again, I mean, Joe, even last year we were saying, wow, everybody's talking about Le'Veon Bell, but watch the Jets end up signing Mark Ingram, right? So like, I look at Lamar Jackson and I'm like, you didn't really get much help. They drafted another tight end for you, right? And yet, and then I look at uh, and then I look at Josh Allen, who they they signed jo they signed Brown from Baltimore. But again, I didn't think Brown was the number one receiver. And they invested in the O line, sure, but they you know, added Frank Gore and they added T.J. Yeldon, who they didn't really play going forward. I think Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield on paper got the most help this past offseason, and they, they they were probably the two most disappointing quarterbacks. And I think. Sam Darnold is the one that I feel a little bit better at because I do think Baker Mayfield reached his ceiling, but I don't know how good I feel about him taking that step to become the superstar that you need him to elevate a team. So with that said, I think the the positions that the Jets need to make strides at are um, left tackle because I think that's going to be big. And I think signing a veteran 
and then moving Beecham to right tackle solves that. I do not agree with everybody saying that the offensive line was worse than that. That, that was the worst in football. They had a pass rushing beat rate of 60%. Buffalo's was 63%. So they weren't, it wasn't bad. Um, and it got better as the season went along. I think the biggest thing, man, it's, it, it's coaching. That's, that's going to be the biggest way to make that leap because you're talking about, say, Sam makes his natural growth. Even his natural growth puts him at top 15, but that's still not a good enough quarterback to elevate those around him if you're going in with a, with a lot of these same players. You want to attack the wide receiver position and add a better wide receiver and somebody that can take somebody that can take the top off of defense differently than Robbie Anderson, like somebody like a Julio Jones. Not exactly Julio, but like, you know, C.D. Lamb, I think, could fit that mold. Um, you hope that you get Herndon back so him and Ryan Griffin give you two tight ends that you can use. Um, you want to improve the offensive line and you want to make it so Sam Darnold's job's easier. But realistically, like you're looking at another 7-9 and nine season that I... The seven and nine season going into Sam Darnold's fourth year, you haven't made the playoffs, haven't come close or anything like that. Like that's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. And, and I think then it, that's when you're hoping that Sam takes that next step, but then you're, you're older with a lot of your key parts. So to answer your question, I mean, I'd love to see the offensive line take a leap and I'd love for them to add another wide receiver. And I'd love for Sam to take the leap into that tier that he needs to be to elevate his teammates. But that I'm being honest, man, I don't see because he did a lot of things bad this year and I fail to realize how Sam Donald is suddenly going to get better with the same coach. It's a fair point. And I, I think it's going to take a special year from him to overcome right. some of the inevitable roster issues that will still be there and overcome Adam Gay. So he could... I think he'll get better next year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, the question is how much better, um, and can he become one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC? Uh, and that's hard in a conference that has Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Is going to have Joe Burrow added to it. Is going to probably have two added to it. Uh, we'll get Ben Roethlisberger back. I don't know where Brady's going to be, although Brady's obviously declined substantially. Um, but the Jets need him to be, you know, in that discussion as, you know, a top three or four quarterback, at least in the conference, if they're going to want to get out of the inevitable seven and nine swirl that Adam Gase is probably going to keep them in. Um, that's going to be a wrap for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our per- first new podcast of the year. As I said, our next show will have some more info on a very exciting new project we're pumped to tell you about that we're going to be working on this offseason. But again, subscribe, rate, review, follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Check out his article on turnthejets.com about the 20 moves the New York Jets need to make to make the playoffs in 2020. Dalbin, any final words? Yeah, it's always fun to just rock out with you guys during the offseason, uh, exchange ideas, ways to improve the team, ways to see them blow up and not do well. Um, so it's always good to do that. Um, I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, and I will collect all my Lamar Jackson points at that point uh, because I think they're the best team in football. And there's a lot that the Jets can learn about how to build around Sam Darnold by how the Ravens have built around Lamar Jackson and it's catering to your players strengths instead of trying to pigeonhole them. And Greg Williams did a really good job of that. Adam Gase did not. Um, But let's hope that the 2020 season shows some growth from everybody involved. So we could be, you know, instead of doing this where we're talking about the off season, Joe, we're getting ready for us hosting wildcard weekend as AFC East champs. I would love that. That would be a fun change of pace for our off season. The 10th year would be nice to be doing something different this time of the year. Thank you, everybody, for listening, uh, and we'll be back uh, next week.